Psalm 107 tonight, Psalm 107, and all can be well. It really doesn't matter the circumstance, it matters your response to the one who is responsible for you. All is well ought to be the testimony of everyone who's a child of God, a child of God who's resting and looking unto Jesus. Psalm 107 tonight, and as we're pondering the theme of our mission is to take with us and imbibe God's vision, it entails that we've got to figure out what is God's vision. But once we do, then we want to be on point about that. We want to be uh, immersed in His activity. Jesus said to the disciples, my meat is to do, the, to do the will of him that sent me. That is, Jesus was saying, my satisfaction is to do what God has called me to do, my Father. He says, my, my sustenance, my meat is to be able to do what the Father has sent me to do. My, my, my passion is to be about the Father's business. And so, on mission has to do with that concept. Psalm 107, let's look if you would please and let's go ahead and stand and read these and, and um, before you get too uh, situated there, verse number one, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is, what's the word? Good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, and they, uh, that they might go to a city of habitation. All oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Amen. I'm just helped reading that. Amen. There's something that is powerful about God's word. And I'm very thankful for just what the spirit of God can do when you read what he wrote. Tonight, I want us to look at this matter of being on mission with God's vision by embracing the concept of praise and being about the matter of a testimony. And if you think of witnessing in terms of giving a testimony, well, anybody can do it and everybody can do it unless you don't have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, you can get saved here. You don't even have to wait to the invitation. You can do so right now. But if you've been saved, you have a testimony. Now, what are you going to do about it? He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So let's talk about that tonight. Thank you. Please be seated. D.L. Moody had a passion for souls. But he didn't always have a passion for souls because he was not always saved. He too had to get saved just like the rest of us. When he got saved, he seemingly didn't get over what he had gotten. He told about his conversion, and he said one day in telling his, his salvation testimony, when he was in Boston, he used to attend a Sunday school class. 
And one day, he said, my teacher came from around behind the counter shop where he was working, and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he began to talk to me about Jesus Christ, and he began to weep. He didn't just cry, he wept. D.O. Moody said, I didn't even feel like I ever had a soul until then. I said to myself that this is a very strange thing. Here's a man I really do not even know until lately, and he's weeping over my sins, and I never even shed a tear about them. But I understand it now and know what it is to have a passion for men's souls and weep over their sins. I don't remember what all he said, Moody said, but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder that night. Listen, God did a work in your life if you're saved. And he doesn't want you to get over that. And what happens is so often there is a a lack of passion, a lack of zeal, no fire. Oh, we'll get excited about something, but we're not excited about him if we can't be excited about all the things that he's about. He's not just about your agenda, my agenda. He's not excited just about these things, this thing. He's excited about what he's about. And it ought to be us being consumed with him. See, witnessing is not just presenting facts about God, but it's also praising God to others. That's why one great deterrent to seeing people saved is having such a pessimistic view of life, having such a gloom and doom view of life. Even if you have something chemically wrong within you that just causes you to be down, you need, you need to get close to Jesus. And you say, well, I am. Well, get closer then because nowhere can you get close to Jesus and have a pessimistic view of life. Not when he saved us and said, you're more than conquerors. You say, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. No, but Jesus said, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. You see, those of us who've experienced the grace of God need to share that truth with somebody else. In other words, what we're saying is, you ought to make much of Jesus. Isn't he something to be made much about? Well, he is much. And so we're not having to, to stretch anything. We're not having to whitewash anything. You don't have to work at making much of Jesus. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, speak out of the overflow. Speak from the outflow of a grateful heart. Psalm 147 and verse one teaches us praise is comely. That is, it's fitting. It's just Fitting and natural for God's people to praise God. Nothing's more beautiful than a believer filled with gratitude, sharing the good news with others. Titus 2 and verse 10 gives what I think our desire ought to be, to adorn the doctrine of God and our Savior in all things. That should be what we're about. See, next to the Word of God, the most powerful tool you have in witnessing is your own personal testimony. Your own personal testimony. A testimony is simply your story. Everybody has one. No one can give it to you. You have it. You don't have to go ask somebody for your story. 
No one can give it even as you can. It's yours. And it has to be shared with others. The number one excuse that people have for not witnessing is, well, what do you think it is? I don't know what to say. A personal testimony is always appropriate. That's a great starting point. People often argue with what the preacher says, but it's hard to argue with the changed life. Religious leaders hated what Peter and John taught when the lame man was healed. Yet the Bible says, Acts 4 and verse number 14, and beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They argued with the preacher, but they couldn't argue with the changed life. That's what the story, your story, your testimony ought to be. How God changed your life. The testimony of a a transformed, changed life is the most effective witness. Listen to this common thread in the testimony given in each of these verses. Mark 5 and verse 19. Jesus said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. That's the Lord saying, here's what you do. You go home to your friends and you tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and had compassion on thee. See, that's what the revival meeting is about. The revival meeting is life re, uh, is vive, again, is re, revive, life again. It's getting revived, getting back to the place where we recognize, oh, we do have a story. He did do something so that we can share and communicate with our friends and family, anybody else who will listen. He changed my life. You know, somebody says, well, you know, I just didn't, Really get much out of it, didn't get much out of church, just didn't get much from the preaching. If you got more from McDonald's than you did from the revival preaching, it's only because you're far from God. You can sit right here, but be far from God. Again, the prodigal son, he left home. The older brother didn't leave home. The prodigal son came back, got revival. The older brother didn't get revival, yet he complained. I don't know why we're all excited about this. I didn't get anything. I don't know why there's a reason to rejoice and praise. I don't get any of that. You know why? Because he didn't go anywhere physically, but he went somewhere spiritually. And who needed revival? The prodigal and the older. We all need revival. The question is, did you get him? Did you get back to him? So don't complain when you left him. He didn't leave you. Don't murmur whenever you find, I'm just not excited about the things of God when God's excited about you. The question is, why didn't you draw near to God? He said he'd draw near to you. Well, my life is rough. The way of the transgressor is hard. What do you expect? Well, it's just so difficult. Well, that's what sin does. What do you expect? But his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Don't complain about it being tough when you got away from the one who's soft and tender, lowly and meek. When he says, come, I'll give you rest. Why didn't you take him at his word? No wonder you don't have a zeal and desire. No wonder you're not praying and pleading. No wonder there's no passion because you got away from the one who makes all the difference. I'm talking to you about what Jesus is talking about. Go tell your friends what great things have happened to you. Listen to this one. Luke 2 and verse 17. 
And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. About John 4 and verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. Acts 3 and verse number 6. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. By the way, that's a great verse. That's a verse I often use when people come asking for money. I let them know silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And that's what's going to change their life. Again, many people are just wanting, they, they want to be enabled. They're not looking for real help. Uh, it, when somebody wants help, they don't dictate how they're going to get it. You know, when Peter wanted Jesus' help when he was sinking, he didn't tell Jesus what he wanted and the way he wanted. He just cried, help, Lord, save me. But what happens is many times people have never seen and people we'll never see again will come in with the long laundry list of here's the things that I need. We're barely making it. And you can look at them until they haven't missed a meal in the last two hours. And, but yet they'll come in. This is what we need. We're about to die. And we've got all these kids. Uh, what are their names? Don't know. They don't know the names of the kids. But we've got all these kids out there. And, uh, and, and we, we need gas. We don't even have gas. And they've got a 2022 uh, SUV. And, and they're struggling. And, and yet... And I'll say, well, why don't you try your church? Oh, we don't have a church. Well, what, have you tried? Hey, I've tried all the other church. You're the last church. Hmm. Well, you know, I am more concerned about helping you never to get into this place again. Let's sit down. Let's, let's figure out how to change your life. Oh, I don't want to change my life. I just want you to give me what I want. But, you know, we've got that same mentality in church. Invitation was open, open every night, just like it is in every service. And there are people sitting there, I'll come forward and pray. What are you praying about? Well, I'm praying, I'm praying that God will, will just get me out of the mess I'm in. Why? He let you get into the mess to see that you need to surrender to Him and quit running from Him. Why do you want Him to get you out of the mess when He let you get into the mess because you said no to Him? Listen, you don't give God the demands and the dictates you surrender to him. He wants to change your life. He saved your soul so they can change your life. Here's another one, Acts 4 and verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. Romans 1.16, Paul says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, we'll get to this one in the um, uh, upcoming uh, message, Sunday morning series. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Here's another one, 1 John 1 and verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, John says, declare we unto you. Now, look at verse number 1 and 2 of Psalm 107. He says again, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Question. Have you had your sins forgiven? How many of them? 
Do you know the Lord Jesus in a personal way? Has the love of God ever become real to you? Is heaven your destination and Christ your companion? You know what the psalmist is saying? Well, then say so. Just tell people that. You don't have to have a, a Bible college course and netcasters and we're going to get back into some netcasters and we're going to adjust it and modify it so that people, more people can take part in it. But all of those things can help. Always working, always working on how I can do better at, at giving and presenting the gospel. Always working, even on this matter of preaching and studying and delivering and preaching. You say, well, I can't tell it all. I, I know that, but I'm always working at it. And, and so there's nothing wrong with working at it, but you don't have to have all of that to be able to tell people that Jesus is my companion, heaven's my destination, and God's love has been given to me and I've experienced it. In verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 107, this psalm is telling God's people to give thanks for his gracious act of redeeming his people from the Babylonian exile and gathering them back into the land. That's verse number one. And the emphasis in chapter 105 is on Israel's exodus from Egypt. And then chapter 106 on God's long-suffering care of his people. So this chapter 107 focuses on the Lord's redemption of the nation from captivity in Babylon. Now, while the circumstances described in this psalm especially apply to what Israel had to endure while in captivity, they could literally be the testimony of every saved child of God, almost anyone. See, Psalm 107 is really a testimony psalm. Again, Psalm chapter 105, it's the exodus from Egypt. It's them coming out of Egypt. It, chapter 106, it's God's long-suffering care of his people. So that chapter 107 is the testimony. And all of us, if we're saved, we had that. There was a time we were lost and in sin. And there's a time we, we discovered the deliverance that God made available through Jesus Christ and, and God's long-suffering and care so that as a child of God, it's a testimony life. It's the song of deliverance. Now, note that it begins like the previous song, Psalm 107. If you were to read Psalm 106, it's very similar. These are psalms of great joy and thankfulness. The, the bigger the, uh, the, uh, the burden, the greater the deliverance, the deeper the pit of sin, the greater the song, the greater the testimony. See, witnessing should be done out of a heart of gratitude. And in the spirit of joy, read through this entire psalm sometime and you'll find stages in Israel's history, repeated miracles in every circumstance. And every believer's testimony is different. Yet, every believer has similarities in their testimonies. Details are going to vary. But the truth remains, our story is all about God's mercy in our life. When you give your testimony, there are three parts you want to focus on. The first part is the story of your life before Christ. It's really the most difficult. It's the most difficult for some to even describe. And for some, maybe who got saved younger, it's, it really is still the more difficult part because it was a dangerous place to be. You were lost in your sin. 
Had you taken your last breath without Jesus, you would have missed heaven for an eternity and gone to hell. So there's the story of your life before Christ. Then there's the story of how you came to know Christ. It's really the most important. Because you never want somebody to listen to your testimony and think, I don't know if I'll ever have a testimony like that. Well, they may not have your past, but they can have the same gift of salvation that you received. And so you want to emphasize that. And then the third part is the story of what Christ means to you now that you're saved. And that's usually the most neglected part of the testimony. The psalmist's testimony in chapter 107, it clearly shows all three of these parts. In verses 2 through 5, the psalmist is giving this, this idea of what every Christian should say. He says in verse 2 through 5, I once was lost. There was a time I once was lost. See, the condition of Israel before her deliverance provides a very vivid picture of life apart from God. By emphasizing this spiritual discipline and encouraging you to share your faith and to give testimony and praise, we assume that the Bible is true and right when it declares that people are truly lost. And one of the things that many struggle with is whether or not they're lost. But you, you have to be very clear. But You could not be saved if you were not lost. Notice in verse number 2, he says in... Um, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So the psalmist is saying, I was in bondage to the enemy before receiving Christ. To redeem is to buy back. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. 1 Peter 1.19, His precious blood purchased us by paying the full price of sin. Then verse 3 and 4. Gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. So not only was I in bondage to the enemy before receiving Christ, I searched for something, verse 3 through 4, to fill the emptiness before receiving Christ. And the word solitary, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. Solitary is a reminder that without God, we're very much alone in this world. King Solomon, King Solomon testified that life without God is vanity and vexation of spirit. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 14. So I was in bondage to the enemy before receiving Christ. Verse 2, verse 3 and 4. I searched for something to fill the emptiness before Christ. But then verse 5. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. What is that? Well, before receiving Christ, I was hungry and thirsty in soul because nothing could satisfy. Only Christ can satisfy. Believers who've been saved for some time can unintentionally speak down to others. But we must explain that we're all sinners needing God's mercy. Never forget where you were and where you could be without God. Listen, when you give your testimony, I just maybe gives a few pointers here. You don't have to give your entire life story. Stay on the subject of salvation. 
Now, there's obviously appropriateness and your setting and your connection and all of that makes a difference. But I'm just saying, when you're, when you're encountering somebody, I don't want to give my entire life story because I don't want to lose them. And I don't want them to get focused on the wrong thing. I don't necessarily want them to, I don't want to focus on, on the, the color of the sky or, or how many flowers are in, were in bloom or the, or the color of the carpet and all those different details that might make for a good book reading or a good movie picture. But what I want to do is I'm using this to launch into what they must know, the essentials to being safe. So do not give your entire life story in, the, in a setting and do not share sordid details about your life and sin. See, you want to glorify God, not your sin. Glorify God, not your sin. And by the way, every young person, if you're, if you're involved, and we have some in a public school, and, and we've got some who will work with those who are lost, this is a great way to protect you from getting involved in, in, uh, with people with a wrong and inappropriate way. You give your testimony about how much you love God and what God's done in your life. You, you go on record right away every day. You make much of Jesus. If not, your friends that you're surrounding yourself with, as I mentioned to the men this morning, your friends, they'll determine your future. If you can't be a witness where you've been placed, then you're being witnessed to by the devil's team. And when somebody can't stand up and give a testimony and be clear in the house of God about what God's doing, they don't stand a snowball's chance in hell to go to a public school, to a public college, to a workplace that's secular and expect to be able to stand like a Daniel or make it through like an Esther. When you can't stand for God in the place with God's people, how are you going to make it out there? I'm saying you better get used to giving your testimony. You ought to be doing it on a daily, regular basis. Let me give you this testimony tip as well. Don't use religious jargon when you're giving your testimony. Explain your terms and speak in an understandable way. In other words, I don't necessarily use words like um, justification, redemption. If I do, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining it if, if I read the verse. And I don't say I'm going to talk to you about the soteriological aspects of your soul. And uh, so, you know, you want to stay away from some of those things and just, you're trying to help get them to Jesus. Verse number six, notice what he says. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. So we find in, in verse two through five, he's saying, I once was lost. What is verse number six? Well, that would be the testimony of one day I came to know the Lord. One day I came to know the Lord. You know that all people who are saved, this, this, is, this is worth paying for. All people who are saved, they got saved the same way. Yeah. And they can say it somewhat different. You'll find it different communicated in the Bible. But that's what he's saying in verse 6. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. All people who are saved are saved the same way. We had to recognize our sinful condition apart from God. Romans 3.23. They had to call upon the Lord in faith. Romans 10.8-13. 
They are delivered by God alone. This phrase here, out of, see it in verse 6, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of. Out of is a very powerful reminder that the Lord Jesus Christ saved us from so much, from sin, from ourselves, from the devil, from eternal judgment and hell. We must always remember Jonah 2 and verse 9, salvation is of the Lord. And so you're, you're talking about there was once a time I was lost. There was a time I was empty. There was a time nothing could satisfy. There was a time I recognized I was a sinner. And then there was a time I came to know the Lord. Now in this part of your testimony, let me challenge you, speak more about Christ than about yourself. The testimony is your story about him. When we had netcasters, I encourage our netcasters to write out their testimony. I encourage you to do the same. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, I encourage you to write it out. Because in doing so, it will help you be able to see how you would be prone to give it. And there are many things, again, that we can say that are not inaccurate, they're not bad. They just might not be needful or essential. Don't major on the minors. The circumstances, again, surrounding how you got saved are not nearly as important as the truth that you came to embrace and understand. Give the gospel. Give it plainly. The story of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is more important than my story, than your story. Explain how the person you're speaking to can call upon the Lord themselves. Then look at verse 7 through 9. So we find so far we've seen in verses 2 through 5, I once was lost. Verse 6, but one day I came to know the Lord. Verse 7 through 9, what is this about? I now have new life. I have a changed new life. Notice verse 7, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. See, the deliverance was not the end. It's the beginning. We've said it this way. Salvation wasn't the end. It was only the beginning. Christ not only saves us from something, but he saves us to something. We have new life in him. And that's what we heard much about this past week. Verse 7, the first part of the verse, and he led them forth by the right way. Christ now leads my life in the right way. I now have the perfect leader directing my way. This doesn't mean I always do what is right, but it means he does. And he's promised to lead. The second part of the verse, that they might go to a city of habitation. Christ now brings peace and purpose to my life. See, my uh, uh, place is, is not ultimately here. This is not my eternal. This is not the end. This is not my last stop. But this is a perfect place in heaven being prepared that will be my eternal home. Christ now has a city of habitation for me. And then verse number nine, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. He brings peace. He brings purpose to my life. Salvation is not just future tense, it's present tense. A good testimony is always present tense. Why? Because God's present tense. 
A lot of religion does not know present tense security and assurance. They don't. Religion is all about doing the best they can in hopes of eternal life. But our testimony is we can present tense know right now 100% for sure. And it won't change five years from now because of what God did. That is something worth testifying about. Now, when you're giving this part of your testimony of a new life, do not give the idea that you're perfect or that your life is, is without trouble. Make much of the blessings, however, of your new life in Christ and what that entails. It, it is more than just an escape from hell. Hebrews 6 and verse number 9, the things that accompany salvation, speak then of those things. Speak of the things that accompany salvation. Speak about the joy that God has given. God's people, do they go through suffering? Well, sure. Almost every writer of the book of the New Testament was martyred. They were put to death. But they all wrote about joy. They lived with joy. And so you can speak about something that no unsaved person will ever know anything about apart from Jesus Christ. See, nothing is more attractive. Listen, nothing is more attractive than a happy Christian. Now, note the divine enthusiasm in verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's divine enthusiasm. And you don't have to work that up. You just get close to him and let him work it in you. Now, the Apostle Paul repeatedly gave his salvation testimony throughout his life. Even when standing before kings, his standard message included how he came to know the true and living God. It is said that the prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that Baptist pastor, he gave his salvation testimony over 300 times in his recorded sermons. He never seemed to tire of telling people how Christ had changed his heart. The old story was always fresh. Gypsy Smith once said, There are five gospel records of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the believer. Most people will never read the first four. Now, I encourage you, as I've mentioned, you should write out your personal testimony. Just write, and it doesn't need to be long, truthfully. If you want to have an adequate testimony that you could jump right in and communicate, I'd say you have a good couple paragraphs. And then if you have time, you can elaborate, elaborate. But, I'm, but you want to be able to get this part down. Again, one of the great excuses is I don't know what to say. Or people who think they know what to say make it so confusing because they're not saying the thing that they need the most. It's like if someone's saying, I, I'm in trouble. We've, we've had an emergency. Who do I call? And if it takes you five minutes to explain who to call, then you're probably not helping the matter. And people are lost, dying, going to hell. They need to know who to call. Oh, they know the person, but they're not quite getting a hold of them if they're thinking of Jesus Christ in terms of religion, if they're thinking of Jesus and doing the best they can. And we don't want to give that kind of a testimony. I remember a lady in a soul winning class was teaching years ago. We were talking about this matter of a testimony, so we practiced. We had a demo in the class. And she gave her testimony and she said, um, 
uh, well, I want to tell you about when I got saved. She said, well, the first time I got saved. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a, a long one. And, and, um, and so we had to work on that. Now, I knew what she meant, and, and we all knew what she meant. She, she, the first time she had prayed for salvation, but she didn't understand salvation. But she, she made it confusing that it was, oh, so there's more times of getting saved. I'm saying that when you get nervous and under pressure, it helps to have these things settled. And while it, it, you understand it and other people may understand it, what matters the most is the one who's closest to hell, that they understand it. So you want to write out my life before getting saved, before Christ, how I came to know Christ, and then what Christ means to me now that I am saved. Write out the talking points for these three parts of your personal testimony. And then do this. Find a partner and practice sharing these thoughts. I've encouraged people and I've seen it be very effective. I say go to somebody at your work who knows lost and say I'm working on this. Pastor asked us to do this and, and I'd like to practice this on, on you. Can I, can I try this on you? And God's used it to bring co-workers to Christ just in a practice setting because truth is truth and there's power in the name of Jesus and there's power in the gospel of Jesus. Work on speaking from your heart about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life. Practice giving your testimony to that family member or close friend. Speak to them as you would someone who knows nothing about Christ. Give your testimony at least to one unsaved person between now and Sunday. A man in one of D.L. Moody's meetings, he was giving testimony and he was talking about how he was living the, the, the Christ-filled life up on the mountain with God for the last five years. And God was just doing great things. And Mr. Moody was getting a little disturbed and, and God was nudging Moody. And, and Moody um, said to him, sir, may I ask you a question? How many souls did you lead to Christ last year? Moody bluntly asked him. The man hesitated and said, well, I don't know. Moody said, have you ever seen anybody saved through your testimony in life? And the man says, I don't know that I have. Moody said, thank you, sir, for giving your testimony of the mountaintop experience of you knowing Jesus. But quite frankly, we don't want that kind of testimony around here. See, Moody went on to explain, if you're really in the presence of Jesus, do you know what Jesus will do? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, one of the ways you can tell when you've gotten into the revival bucket is that he'll be able to pour you out for the souls of men. And you'll be a fisher of men. That's what getting close to Jesus does. If you and I were close to Jesus and we catch his vision, we find this is what he's about. If we walked with Jesus, we're going to be walking right into the living rooms of people, right into the conversations with lost people, right into the situations of the, the down and outers and the up and inners. And, and you're going to find Jesus declaring unto them their need for the gospel and how they can be saved. Jesus said, you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If you don't have a testimony after the revival meeting, it's because you're not following Jesus. And if you have a testimony that you got revived, 
but you're not burdened and you're not passionate about trying and attempting to fish for souls, you may have been at the revival meeting, but you didn't get revived. Well, either way, we can still see revival. You can come back to God and you can get right with God. And those who came to God back and drew nearer to him this past week or today, you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay with him and he'll make you a fisher of men. Let's stand together, please.